last time I was here, you were like, oh, um, yeah, I got stabbed earlier today. And you were very nonchalant about it and well, showed me like birthday. a... That was my birthday. <laughs> you got stabbed on your birthday. Well, not really stabbed. He poked at me a couple times. Right. That's It's yeah. true. You said poked. I. That's yeah. my word. Yeah, yeah. poked. You know when, some, when some sharp object enters intentionally through my skin, I call it, for me, that's getting stabbed. Well, it's <laughs> a little poke, you know what I mean? I'm Garth Mullins. This is Crackdown. Bonus episode, The Palace. This month, Crackdown is talking about how the overdose crisis and the housing crisis combine to make one clusterfuck of misery and injustice. And we're actually going to give you two episodes. Next week, we'll have a full-length documentary. But in this episode, I talked to my friend Al Fowler and his wife, Nicole Williams. I was best man at their wedding. They're good people. Al is on Crackdown's editorial board. He's also an activist with the Vancouver Area Network of Drug Users and the BC Association of People on Methadone. Al and Nicole had a pretty nasty slumlord a few years back. They lived in one particularly notorious single-room occupancy, or SRO. It was called the Palace Hotel. The landlord also used to be a pharmacist. He would demand that any tenant in his buildings also be a methadone patient at his family's pharmacies. And he would hold those scripts or prescriptions over the tenants' heads. Um, so, Al, I, I, uh, I wanted to talk to you about this story for a long time because um, when we met you know, five or six years ago, uh, you told me about your experience living at the Palace SRO and with uh, George Wolsey. And so I'm just going to, uh, probably most of our listeners don't know, so I'm just going to ask all the questions and get us through this because I think there's lots of good stuff to learn. So can you tell me uh, when did you move in there? Let's see. We moved down from Vernon in February 2010 because the Olympics were on, I remember that. And with the housing situation, there was uh, not places to live, so uh, we were staying at the First United Shelter. We were there for about a week, a week and a half, and I ran into a friend of mine who said he knew where we could get a place to rent, but one of us had to be on the methadone program. So I was using it at the time, so I figured, okay, I went on the methadone program to, to, to get us this housing. So I went to the doctor, got my prescription, got that started. Went and talked to the landlord, George Woolsey. He signed, you know, our, our rental stuff. And uh, the room he showed us wasn't the room he ended up renting to us, but it's, it's another story. So you, you met the landlord, and he had a sort of a special arrangement between the methadone and the housing there. Can you explain that? Uh, yeah, he ran it under the guise of a recovery society. So... You, anybody living in his SROs basically had to be on the methadone program. Methadone patients are incredibly lucrative for pharmacists. Pharmacists can make up to $6,000 per year per patient. He had it set up so it was delivered to you from whatever pharmacy he chose to let get it delivered from. So he was pharmacist and landlord. 
Uh, well, he was no longer pharmacist because years back he'd lost his pharmacist license for some shady stuff when he run Gastown Pharmacy. But apparently it was his, his wife or his ex-wife who was the pharmacist that was, you know, supplying the methadone to us. But you had to go to his family's pharmacy. Actually, they delivered it right to the hotel. Right, but, but your, your script had to be filed with a, a pharmacy of his choosing. Yeah. Yeah, see what would happen, we'd get our new script, so we'd sign it, we'd just give it right to George, and then he'd just take care of it from there, right? And uh, did he did he insist on this, or was it in writing somewhere, or did he just tell you that's the arrangement? Uh, it was just verbally, you know what I mean? There was never any written agreement signed or anything like that, it was just verbally. And, you know, I was new to the program and everything else, I was just happy to get us out of the, out of the, the shelter, the, you know. So, um... This wasn't just for you. This was for everybody else or most everybody else living there, right? Uh, yeah, everybody else living there. Unless they were a tenant before he took over. There were there were still a few of them left. But anybody else, you know, had to be on the program getting delivered from where he got it delivered from. And, and with being under the guise of uh, Recovery Society, he wouldn't have to follow the tenancy, the rental tenancy board. That lets him out of the rules that govern how landlords are supposed to treat tenants if you're in a recovery house. So in, was there any other way that it was like a recovery place other than somebody shows up with methadone in the morning? Well, he supposedly was supposed to have, you know, like, uh, what would you call that, uh, a counselor or, you know, like somebody on site to help us out, right? Did you ever see someone like that? Was, was there a counselor around? I was introduced to one once. But, you know, I never ever talked to anybody or anything like that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there was... And the thing under the Recovery Society is he wouldn't have to give you 10 days or 30 days notice to evict you. You know, if you didn't get your methadone, if you went to a different pharmacy, he would evict people on it. I've seen him do it. You know, they come back, their rooms are locked, and their stuff's gone. So this is an eviction. This is a George Wolsey eviction. It's not um, giving notice, the paperwork, the eviction notice on the door. Like, when I've been evicted before... Um, like we, you and me used to live not at the same time, but in the same building yeah. about a block from here. Yeah. And I had several times eviction notices pasted to my door, or failure yeah, to pay rent. A little bit rent, a little bit late on rent, so they give you your notice ten days to pay up. That's right, and then you you, know, you pay yeah. up and you do it. Yeah. But but not Wolsey, you're just out. Is that it? Yeah, you're just out. Bring a couple muscle with them and pack your gear and throw. A, it a couple muscle. Who's doing? Who's being the muscle? Yeah, there was you know a couple people that were living in in his buildings working for him. You know, kind of bigger, dumber guys, right? <laughs> yeah. So you, but but you were there too, right, Nicole? Here, come come closer. Do you want to? Do you want this chair? And no, I can. No, I'm fine. Okay, and but you didn't have to be on the methadone, is that right? No, no, no. I didn't have to be on the methadone at all. And uh, and how come? Do you think? Because I, I was his spouse, was. and he was on methadone. So, if you're with somebody, I, I imagine that. You're able to to uh, live there. So, uh, hey Nicole, yes. uh, what were the rooms like there? We didn't know there was rats. Like there's huge rats, mice. So you're um, putting your hands like about a foot and a half apart. Yeah. Is that like nose to tail? Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's nose to body. Yeah. Oh. There was some big ones. Rats. Yeah. Yes. Tail and everything. Yeah. We're talking 16, 17, 18 inches. Yeah. Okay. What what was in the rooms were bed, uh, a sink. That's that mainly it. it. That that's it. all that's in the room. You and and how much extra space was around your bed, would you say? What was the room? Uh, 10 by 12, maybe? Not much. Can I ask, Al, how, does it, how did the size and the amenities compare to the pen? Uh, let's see. So the 
pretty much maybe four cubic less feet bigger than than the cell was in Matsquay. So you get a little more space than than a jail cell. Yeah. Right. But at least jail cell had my own toilet in there. Right. So you get a toilet and you you probably have a, access to a TV and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Beside our bedroom was the bathroom, right? The toilet. So when you come out of our bedroom, go around the corner. As soon as you go in the bathroom, especially at night, you have to turn on that light and you have to make a bunch of noise because there's a hole right beside the toilet. And last time I sat down, I looked down, and there's a rat breaking its head. I'll get back in there. Don't you come out. Because so we don't I, know so if I'd they have, would bite I'd us. have to stand guard while she was in the washroom. I you was know scared. I mean? was so you were on rat patrol. Yeah. You see yeah. running around. Oh, yeah. They were horrendous there. <laughs> And what when you saw that rat poking its head out beside you on the toilet, what did you do? I pee as fast as I can and get out of there. Ali said she screamed. Yeah. And did you? So did you scream, Nicole? Yeah. Get me out of here! There's a rat. Get me out of here! So you heard her screaming because it, this is not a bathroom in your room. This is no. like outside and on the hall. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, it's like for everyone to use, right? Everyone in the in the floor or everyone no, in the building. The on yeah. the floor. How many people were sharing that bathroom then? See, there were 15 rooms to a floor. Right, so at least 15 people, and some people would be like you with two in a room, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with empty rooms, yeah, so probably, you know, at least, you know, 12, 15 people using it for sure. Right, and and so, okay, so the, the bathroom, the rats, what else were you thinking of there, Nicole? Right outside our window in our little suite thing, there is a, there was, there's a, um, a roof. roof and on that roof there was a whole bunch of rats and at night time boy they were fighting and screaming then we had rats right above us like in the ceiling so so at night you would basically you guys would lie in bed and you would hear rats on the roof rats in the walls rats in the ceiling yes that was that was after the band shut down at two o'clock in the bar downstairs because you couldn't hear anything when the band's going what bar? What bar was downstairs? But uh, just above Funky Winker Beans. Right. So I know that that means that I was at least a couple times one of the bands that was keeping you guys awake. So I am sorry. Oh, it, was, it, it was weird. After living there for a while, I'd sleep, and then when the music stopped, I'd wake up. When we moved in there, I told George, I says, well, you know, I've got experience doing, you know, desk work, SROs, you know, that type of stuff. He said, well, we like to have people live here at least a couple months before we hire them. And then uh, about four days after that, he called me up and said, hey, you want to do some shifts, right? Well, that was was another freaking mistake, tell you that. So you worked uh, worked the desk? Yeah, yeah. And what was that like? What would you have to do working the desk, basically? What I'd have to do, I'd have to let the tenants into the building. Make sure nobody else come in. So were you checking IDs off people, or you knew them all by face, probably? Yeah, because you, you, yeah, only people who lived in the building were allowed in. So so at, at the Balmoral and at lots of other SROs for years, you could pay $10 oh, if yeah. you wanted to go visit a friend? or When, when I worked the Asia Hotel years and years ago, I, you know, I had $10 guest fee. Uh, tell me honestly, did all of those $10 in cash make their way to the landlord? Oh, no, it wasn't for the landlord. It was for us to take care of the building. Right. So yeah. basically, you you didn't get paid a wage by the landlord? Well, we're, you know, you know a little shitty wage, so that, that compensated for it. Right. But some nights, I tell you, you could make seven, 800 bucks. <laughs> right? Did you do any other uh, kind of work for, oh, yeah. for Wolsey? Well, let's see. I started at the front desk at the Wonder. 
Right, right. So, so George Wolsey owned uh, two two places at least yeah, with this Dallas with hotel and the Wonder. It was right. not the Wonder Rooms. It was just called the Wonder. You wonder why anybody would live there. You wonder why anybody would want to go there. You wonder why anybody would want to own it. You know, he's called it the Wonder. So, uh, yeah. So I started working shifts at the Wonder. He was paying twenty five dollars for an eight hour shift. I worked. I worked. I worked the Wonder. You know. And then I got a paycheck, and I didn't show up for work the next day, type of thing. And you know, he got all snotty with me. So you know, I, you know, that was that. And then about a week and a half later, he asked Nicole to start working for him. Yeah. So she started working the desk at the Wonder for the twenty-five dollars. Yeah. And and Nicole, what was it like to work there? Oh, scary! It was scary because I I had to let them in, buzz them in. Once the tenants at the Wonder realized she was with me, they kind of... Relaxed and didn't freak out on me. Yeah. I got freaked out on a few times. Yeah. Al, because, I mean, people can't can't really understand this over the radio, but you carry yourself like somebody who you shouldn't fuck around with. Let's let's see, right? I'm, you know, six feet tall, uh, tattooed. You know, I did like, you know, 12 years in the pen type of deal. I carry myself quite well and, you know, I can, you know, I can be intimidating if I have to be, so. Last time I was here, you were like, oh, um, yeah, I got stabbed earlier today and you were very nonchalant about it and well, showed me like birthday. a... That was my birthday. That's <laughs> You got stabbed on your birthday. Well, not really stabbed. He poked at me a couple times. Right. That's, it's yeah. true. You said poked. I, that's yeah. my word. Yeah, yeah, poked. You know, when, I mean. some, when some sharp object enters intentionally through my skin, I call it, for me, that's getting stabbed. Well, it's just a little poke, you know what I mean? But yeah, so... <laughs> but, you know, I, I handle my... You know, I, I can handle myself. So a lot of the tenants knew me, so they knew that, you know... So don't mess with Nicole when she's working the desk. Yes, yes. I felt safer if Val was able to come over and stay there with me, because some of those tenants were a little scary. Because I had to clean up, right? Empty the garbage. But then, but then we stuff. got then we got the cell phone. So if anything was going down, where because it's only like two blocks away, then I'd I'd come over. Yeah, but George didn't like that. No. So and when George didn't like something, what did he what did he do to make his feelings known to you? Uh the the usual thing. He would short your methadose. So that means uh, your methadone that you're getting, you know, like just no, after methadone. you... Le- yeah, that's right. Methadose, didn't I? Yeah, so we're getting methadone back then, and it's uh, one milligram to one milliliter mixed with like an orange juice or something. So. so you're getting the tang in the morning, and if he doesn't like what you did the day before, he'll he'll lower the volume. Yeah. Or water it down or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, not water it down, just add more tang. Right. right. It's hard to tell with the taste because, you know, it come first thing in the morning, you know, groggy, yeah. blah, blah. And, and But a person knows when their methadone's been shorted or you didn't get the right dose because it, it, it wears out, oh, yeah. you know. And the thing was is, like, it never, ever came in a prescription bottle. It came in those little white acrylic paint bottles you get from... You know the 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 art store and stuff. Jesus, <laughs> they're about three, three inches tall, round white things. Yeah, no labels on them or nothing. You know. Did they? Do you think they reused those or were they just? Oh, sure, they did. They probably just rinsed them out and probably didn't even rinse them out half the time. You know, because he'd drive around with a whole trunk load of these. And at one point, you kind of made a decision, um, like enough is enough, and you wanted to kind of take a next step. Yeah. What what prompted that decision? Like, where, where did that come what from? What prompted that decision is because, you know, we're working for him. We get a paycheck. We go to Money Mart. The checks bounce, 
right? So that that screwed me up, money marks. I couldn't cash any other checks till I dealt till he dealt with that. You know, that was the kind of thing. And then I was doing, you know, like drywalling, construction, demolition stuff like that. And then for, I, for him, for yeah, for yeah. for. So for, you're working on the hotel. On the hotel, down at Funky's, stuff like that, right? And uh, I'd work, you know, three, four, maybe five hours. And then I'd have to chase him three, four, maybe five hours to get my pay. And then he'd always be short on that. It's like the nickel and dime thing, you know? And his thing was, you know, he says, well, you're just going to buy drugs anyway. What? It doesn't matter what I buy with it. You know, I'm in your hotel because I'm on methanon because I'm, you know, right? Ex-addict or current addict, whatever you want to say. I do the work, I get the job done, you know, you know, it's, yeah, so that's, you know, so we started having our things going on, and, you know, we'd, we'd not get along, and then he'd need something done, so he'd, you know, come suck up to me somehow, you know, like, give me some cash up front or something like that, so, and then I just, you know, I had, I had enough of the methadone, so, so I went to, uh, I went to a different pharmacy. Right, and, and then what happened when you went to a different pharmacy? I think what saved us from being evicted was because of Nicole. He liked me. Yeah. George Woolsey liked you. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, he did. He she's, did. Uh, well, she's she's small town girl, northern BC small town girl. Yeah, he right? I I did some cleaning of the rooms. But in the bar. He, in the bar, yeah, we cleaned the, the bar downstairs. Washrooms. Washrooms and stuff like that. And then we got fired from that. But you say you didn't get evicted, but most people, when if they try to change pharmacies, they did get evicted. Yeah, and I hate to say it, when I first started there, because I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what was really going on. You know, I, you know, I was, I was the bad guy in a couple instances. So you were one of those people you were talking about at the very beginning of our interview, who you said is pretty big and not so smart, who would help evict the other people. Is that is that what you're saying? Although you're the smart version. Yeah, yeah, I was I was ignorant of what was going on, the whole parameters of everything. But it take didn't take me long to clue into that. So did you ever have uh, like the the muscle come at you? What do you mean come at me? Like did did he ever use other people hired as muscle to intimidate you? Oh yeah, he tried bringing this big ex goof fucking rapist biker around once in a while, right? But he didn't intimidate me because I I know exactly what he was about. You know what I mean. So then you decide you're you're not getting paid. He's messing with your methadone. So you decide to change pharmacies. Yeah. And then you decide at, at the time the, the he was giving kickbacks like five dollars a week and a couple friggin' hot dogs, right? Well, so this is a, this is a practice. If you go to a pharmacy, all the all the pharmacies where you get methadone in BC are most of them are private, and a lot of them will give you money to go to them because they're all in competition and it's it's illegal. But yeah. but they do it. Yeah. So I switched to a different pharmacy and they were giving out. I think it was like twenty dollars a week worth of McDonald's cards. Right. That was food, right? So, and plus it, it pissed him off. But yeah, I, I, the reason we didn't get evicted was because of Nicole. Because he knew that if he would have thrown her out on the street, he would have had a problem. Whether from authorities or whether, you know, from me because I, you know, I tend to take care of business if it needs to be done. But you kind of did that anyway, right? Like you brought problems to his door anyway. Well, 
he brought the problems to mind, so I took them back to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. We were discussing something one day. We're you know, and and he had me in the back hallway, and he was poking me in the chest, saying, "That's just the way it is, Alan. There's nothing you can do about it." Oh, okay. With those words ringing in his head, Al walks outside, and he runs into some longtime housing activists. Al hooks up with them, and they start organizing the building. So I tied up with them. Uh, we started things going. So what was that like? Were you did, were you kind of going door to door and trying to rally people in your building too, or what was your role? I was I was I, I was talking to the people in the building. Al and some other tenants plan an action. They're going to show up at City Hall and tell the mayor and council exactly what's going on at the Palace and the Wonder. We, uh, the tenants were going to appear at City Council on uh, Friday. I got a call Friday morning. Your, uh, your methadone prescription has been cancelled. We're sorry we can't fill it out for you anymore. And, and this this is a crazy thing is like I found another guy to get my to to get my script filled through right but then I found out later it was Woolsey right <laughs> so he just so owned it he happened, had connections to another pharmacy is once we got the the stuff rolling with Woolsey we got the city involved they started inspecting you know fine shit like this I figured he did this because I would have to spend all day screwing around to get my, my prescription back and I wouldn't be able to go to city council like we were scheduled to go. So that leaves me in a bind. It was a long weekend because Monday was going to be a holiday. So Al goes out to try and fix his methadone situation. Back at the palace, Nicole hears a knock at the door. He came around and I heard the knock on the door and I went, okay, well, who is this? I opened the door and there he is. I said, okay, well, what do you want? I wasn't home, was I? No, I wasn't. No. So you're by yourself. Yeah. So I, you know, asked him, what does he want? And he said that anybody who goes to the council, city council, there's going to be hell to pay. You're going to be in trouble. I'm going, what the, what the, what the, what? What does hell to pay mean to you? What did you, what did you think? What went through your mind? I don't know. I figured we'd be thrown out. So I was really scared of going to city council. Because if I come back from city council... Is all our stuff going to be gone? I had no idea if Georgia was going to be there or not. I was scared. I didn't want to go up. We went in. I said, oh, I'm not talking because I was scared of George seeing me. But they, they brought us in the back and put us up at the top, yeah. which is kind of stupid anyway because if George is there, he knows exactly who's freaking talking up there, right? Yeah, so you know. he they said, well, okay, they got people to come up and talk. When, so when the mic came to you... I start talking. And he actually, asked I was what talking, and she took it from my hands and started talking. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Okay. Did not. So when I was talking, and I end up crying and everything else, and being upset, he's way upset. And I told him why. Well, I was upset because a guy came around, intimidating, telling us that we're gonna we could be thrown out if we come to city council. I was just a bawling. You can go back in the records, the Vancouver Sun, you know what I mean? The Tai did an article about us, you know, and uh, tenants got up and spoke and they talk about, you know, how they were, you know, figured they're getting screwed around on their methadone, the way they treated us. Like at the end there, at the palace, there was one shower for all of us. 
Right. Uh, but even still, he wouldn't he wouldn't do the fix-ups he was told to do. He wouldn't pay the friggin' fines. The only reason stuff happened is because there were, you know, there was actually, you know, a group of probably four or five of us that went all the way through with council and stuff, you know. We went to city council on that Friday. The Wednesday after I go into Insight, there's a guy standing by the doorway and he looks at me and he says, your name Al Fowler? I go, yeah. He threw a cup of hot coffee in my face and attacked me. So, you know, we have our little scrap outside and blah, blah, blah. Right after that, that scrap went down, I went to Van Du, and that's when I hooked up with BCA Palm, BC Association of People on Methadone. That's right, and that's where I met you. That's, that's, that's when that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and there was, there was a couple people come at me a few times because, you know, I figure he had a, you know, kind of like an open contract on me, you know, 20, 30 bucks, and give me a shot in the head or two or something like that. But, but if you're going to send people out to do stuff like that, make sure they can actually do it, you know. Right, so this guy, Wolsey, just keeps getting away with shit. And so keeps it's... Keeps getting away with it, keeps getting away with it. So then, you know, the, we, you know we, we, uh, we get organized and we, we put in complaints with the tenancy branch. The residential tenancy branch is a government-run dispute resolution body. It's kind of like a court for tenants and landlords. Al and the other tenants start filing complaints. The first the first round there was 12 of us, I think. So what happened is a couple people went up and the arbitrator sided on their side, but then everybody else started coming up and I think she felt too nervous about putting that many claims against one landlord. Huh. So she kind of denied ours. Our grievance wasn't, it wasn't denied, but it wasn't accepted. It was just kind of, well, we had to appeal it. So Supreme Court appeal it. So you went from the tenancy branch to, to proper court, like you went to Supreme Court. To have our court, to have our case heard again at the tenancy branch. Oh, wow. We had to, you know, go through legal channels to get that done. And while that was going our, our we were fighting with the courts. While that was going on, there was another round of tenants going in front of the tenancy board, Right. These tenants were winning their cases. So the gist of the matter was is that George was first just going to hand over the care of the building to a different company, Community Builders. But I don't really want to say much on that. Right. This is, a, this is basically a, an NGO, like a non-profit. But uh, yeah. There's, yeah. there are lots yeah. of issues. But, yeah. uh, so, but so that so, was a, the original thing, right? So, yeah, they took over, started doing some renos, had the building half-fast working, and... Uh, Somehow, George kicked him out and took over the building again. So George is back. George is back. And you're still there? No, no. Oh, you, no, you're, you've moved no, out. You've moved out. But you're still trying to pursue but, your but complaint. I, when, I got attacked, when I got attacked at Insight, then City and some people from Carnegie Outreach came and got us and took us to another SRO. And why, why do you want to pursue something against... Like, I, I, I know you as an organizer, right? Like, you have a lot of concern about other people in BCA bomb or whatever. Is that what's going on here? Like, are you trying to get some justice for the people who are still there? Yeah, because I started hearing about how long this guy had been a scourge down there and this and that. And, you, and, I, and I tell you this, if you, like, threaten me or you say something to me, well, I'm going to deal with it. When you poke me in the chest and say there's nothing I can do, well, I'm, yeah, there's a whole bunch I could do and I will try to do and I'll keep doing so, on with the fight. Where were we? Supreme Court going back for your appeal okay, before the tenancy yeah. branch. And the other, and the other tenants, they were winning their cases. So it came around that his buildings were going to be 
sold by the courts to cover the costs of those tenancies. I told Pivot at the time, I said, look, if those buildings are being sold for this reason, when they're sold, there should be money placed into an account for the rest of us that are going up on our, on our appeals on our, on our second round, right? I told yeah. them, I discussed that, everything else. So we go for our second round. George is nowhere to, to be seen. So that means we won, right? And how much? 4500 and have you seen a penny of that? No, we've 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 chased him into small claims courts and everything. Now he doesn't own anything. He's got nothing. He's just some poor bankrupt schmuck. So when you think about um, all the other people who are like dealing with shitty landlords now, do you have any advice for them? Well, you got to stand up. You got to go through. And and the thing is, is like you know, find like-minded people. Find somebody to advocate for you. You know, go to the resources, you know, whether it's like, you know, Van Du or Carnegie Outreach. Talk to people because, you know, there are people in the same situations. There are people who are willing to be your voice if you don't have the voice. You know, don't be scared. Don't let these people intimidate you. Thanks, Al. And uh, I just should tell people we're now here in East Van, not in the downtown east side. And you guys have a really nice place. And... Um, you have lots of Christmas lights. I always like that about coming here. Is, is your Christmas lights? So you got you and Nicole. You guys have made a really a really nice place here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, well. Nicole, did I forget to ask anything, or did you want to say? Is there something I forgot? Yep. So I, I'm just really happy we got rid of them. Yeah, no doubt. Life is good now, though. Sounds good. But yeah, just don't let people intimidate you. You know, right's right, wrong's wrong. <laughs> Crackdown is produced on the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh. Our producers were Alexander Kim and Lisa Hale. Hello. Sorry, I'm sorry uh, about the wait. No, How can don't I worry get about it. I'm, I'm waiting for two other people. Oh, perfect. Next week, you'll hear a full documentary about another notorious slumlord and another notorious building, and other tenants who fought back. I'm Garth Mullins. See you then. Good, how are you? Not too bad. Fuck, man, I'm sorry about all this bullshit. No worries. Coffee? Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. Cheers. You have been listening to A-Sided Media Production. C-I-D-E-D. Find out more at sidedmedia.ca.